Let's go to God's Word. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're praying in these days in a very intentional way, seeking the Lord, studying His Word, wanting to hear from Him, His Spirit, His Word, how we can better communicate with Him, and praying that the Lord would give us increased appetite for communion with him. There is a time in every uh, relationship where we begin to recognize the importance of communication and and, um, day by day by day we see more and more examples of um, reasons why we want to be able to commune with God and and hear from him and, and, and present our hearts and our thoughts and our conversations to him. We're praying in these days, if you um, have missed it or have uh, forgotten or not, just not clear on information, in the mornings, uh, Monday through Saturday in the chapel meeting, there at 6.15, we finish at 6.45. Uh, we're uh, praying through phrases of the Lord's Prayer and just word by word and phrase by phrase, adding a little bit more of this prayer each day as we go along, inviting the Spirit of the Lord to expand our prayers according to the teaching of Jesus. And um, I'm so encouraged by your response uh, last uh, last Monday morning when we began at 6.15, there was more people here on property for any uh, prayer-only event gathering that we've had since 9-11. And we saw that chapel well in excess of, I, I, I don't, I don't want to overestimate, but I, I know 150 or more people here in that room praying and, and uh, your response continues to be strong. I know a lot of you are praying in different environments and different places and there's no one time of the day that all of us can be in the same place, same time, but um, it's certainly encouraging to my heart to see um, a church responding in prayer during these days and, and uh, we really are just wanting God to move. Just wanting God to do what he wants to do. Just wanting to pray like Jesus taught us to pray. And uh, come and, and uh, join us this week again, Monday through Saturday. And we do our Sunday praying here together. And um, we, we began last week with this verse. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I came to the end of the message last week I I paused and I said now tonight talking about last Sunday night Vance uh, Pittman will be here to uh, bring the conclusion of the message and he came and it was one of the most spirit anointed gatherings that I've been a part of in a long long time the spirit of God moved in this room and spoke to our hearts and You can usually tell because you have so many people who want to listen to the message again. They want to get the recording of what happened here. And 
more than any service that I've been a part of. People responded this week wanting to know how they could listen to the message because either they had heard about it or they were here and they wanted to uh, hear the message again. And I'm trusting that it's in God's sovereign plan that uh, we recorded the message, but when we turn the message on, there's nothing on the tape. There's nothing on the drive. It was as if God was saying, I got something for Sunday night. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. And he did something. And uh, if he wants to do it again, he can do it again without a recorded message. Through Vance or through any other vessel he chooses to use. But Vance's conclusion to our message uh, last week is, in many ways, the introduction to the message this week. And this second phrase that we're taking on says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This first part of the prayer that Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then this next request, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaching us to pray. And we see some things in this passage. We, we notice that it's uh, uh, talking about a kingdom and asking God to, to work and to move. And if there's a kingdom, there's a king. And if there's a king, there's a there's rule, there's sovereignty, there's power, there's control. And throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we see that God is shown to us, revealed to us as being a sovereign God. He needs no one else's permission. He is powerful in his own right. He sets his own course. He determines his own ways. Then how does this mystery of prayer how does this miracle of prayer play into the work of a sovereign God and Vance helped us last week with a phrase that teaches us about how prayers are incorporated into the sovereign rule and reign of our heavenly father and he used this statement God in his sovereignty has chosen to limit his activity to the prayers of his people God in his sovereignty has chosen to limit his activity to the prayers of his people. And so today when we come together and we see that Jesus said, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have Jesus teaching us to ask for God's will to be done here. To ask for his kingdom like it is in heaven to come here on earth and it, it is a, it's a, a lesson to us it, it teaches us that somehow in God's miraculous power and his mysterious ways that are above our ways he works and responds to the prayers that we pray as we call out and pray for his will and for his kingdom Robert Law a preacher in the early 1900s made this statement that has gripped my heart all week long. He said, prayer is a mighty instrument. 
Prayer is a mighty instrument, not forgetting man's will done in heaven, but forgetting God's will done on earth. And you and I, hear this, you and I have this incredible privilege to enter into what the sovereign God of the universe is doing in our world and in this universe. He wants to use his children, citizens of the kingdom, to bring his kingdom and to advance his kingdom. There are two hindrances to our praying. Maybe there are more, but I would just call your attention to two of those. As we think about praying this prayer and engaging in this prayer, and Vance spent a long time Sunday night talking about uh, desperation. And I would add to that the word distraction. And two hindrances to you and I praying in these days are the presence of distractions and the absence of desperation. And I'm, I'm checking my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you as, as a pastor with you on the journey, wanting Jesus to teach us how to pray, how to talk with him, how to commune with him, how to hear from him, feeling the, feeling the conviction of how powerful distractions can be in this life to hinder me and keep me from communing with the heavenly father and how the absence of desperation at least in my mind the thinking of desperation how much that can hinder our prayers and so thankful last week that the spirit of god reminded us that even that the truth is is that even when we don't feel like we're desperate we are desperate we are desperate It takes fasting and practical uh, changes in our heart and the work of the Holy Spirit to rid distractions in our minds and our hearts and our lives in order to, to pray. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and show us our desperation. I think of the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus came to eat at their home and, and Martha was so concerned about the meal and she was trying to get everything set and everybody taken care of and she was kind of frantic running around the house and Jesus spoke to her and he said those words in the gospel. You see that phrase, Martha, Martha, you're what? You're distracted by so many things. But Mary has chosen the more important. And it was a, a lesson in the moment where Jesus was saying that we, we have to fight hard. We have to open our eyes. We need the Spirit of the Lord to show us what the most important thing is when the world comes and wants to steal our attention and steal our focus. Let me talk some here about our focus in prayer. I think we all recognize that we're still people of flesh the moment we begin to pray. 
I oftentimes feel like I am the most sleepiest when I start to pray. I oftentimes feel like um, my to-do list can only be formed by me saying, Lord, I come to you in prayer. I mean, it's just, it's like just the world just starts. And, and, it, and it must be, it must be so true that prayer is war. That we are, not, we are not rising in front of the mirror to quote some kind of self-help chant that will make us a better salesman. But we are bowing before the God of heaven where there is a cosmic conflict going on for the souls of men and women and the, the affections of our minds and our hearts. And we have to acknowledge those distractions and and ask for God's help to battle against our, our flesh. And the focus battle is, is, is real and hard. And it's, it's why we come again and again to the teaching of prayer in God's word. It, it, when you look at this, these verses, Jesus says, pray then like this. What is the meaning of this? Well, we see first the, the focus of these words. Notice the the the, the Three times that the word your is used. I'm reading from the ESV and it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be. And then you have your name, your kingdom, your will. And at the very beginning of Jesus teaching us how to pray, he shows us where our focus is in prayer. And it's such a help for us, such a guide for us to show that 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 oftentimes what drives us to pray is me, me, me. And what Jesus is teaching us about prayer is that we need a prayer life. We need communion with him that starts with him, him, him. He, he says, our father, he calls our attention to who we're uh, addressing. Hallowed be, who, hallowed be whose name? Your name, father. Whose kingdom? Your kingdom. Whose will? Your will. And it's true for us that so many times our prayers are driven because of what's happened to our name or what's going on in our little kingdom or what we want to see happen according to our desire and our will. Jesus said, no, pray like this. Let your focus be his name, his kingdom, and his will. When he says there, your name, that word name is not a, like a name on a, a badge. It's not a, like wearing a name tag. It's not an advertisement campaign for Yahweh's name. It is, the word name means reputation. It means character. It means his ways. It means his abilities and his accomplishments. And he's saying, as you come to the Father, hallow this, worship this, acknowledge this, hallow his name, hallow his accomplishments and his abilities. And doesn't, doesn't that put us in place when we come in need to say from the very beginning, my ability runs short, my accomplishments are nothing. God, it's because you are able, it's because you can accomplish all things according to your will. 
And we start with that focus of wanting his reputation, his character, his ways, abilities, and accomplishments to be known, to be praised, to be lifted up. And then he says, your kingdom. And this, this kingdom, throughout Scripture, you see this battle going on between a, of under, a battle of understanding of is it a physical kingdom or a kingdom of another kind in the old testament you have the people of god asking for a king like the other nations have and god says you've rejected me as your king you want a king like the other nations have i'll give you a king and he gave him a king and you see much of the old testament is the impact of of him giving them a king but you also begin to see as you journey through the Old Testament and right into the New Testament that the kingdom that is being ushered in by the birth of the Messiah was in its beginning not a geographical kingdom or a physical kingdom or a temporary kingdom the kingdom that is proclaimed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, all the way through the New Testament, the kingdom that is proclaimed is a kingdom that is spiritual and global and eternal. The followers of Jesus, right up until the point of Jesus' death, were arguing over who would be the greatest in the kingdom. They, they, they were looking for some kind of position, rule, and reign. Jesus came proclaiming a kingdom of a different kind. What is the kingdom that is spoken of here? Your kingdom come. When we speak of the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed and his followers declared, we're talking about a kingdom that reaches from heart to heart to heart to heart to heart. From person to person to person. From nation to nation to nation. From tribe to tribe to tribe. From language to language to language. And it is a kingdom that is not bound by geographical boundaries. It is a kingdom that spreads as far and as wide as there are people who worship King Jesus as the king. Who have been redeemed by the blood of the king. Who have been reconciled to the father by the death of the king on the cross. And when you by grace through faith place your faith in Jesus Christ you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven it is an eternal kingdom it is a spiritual kingdom and when we think about uh, kings and kingdoms we don't have a, a very good perspective of that we have to search into history to try to understand what was being talked about here as a, as a king as a, and a kingdom. For us in these days, uh, kings and kingdoms and princes and princesses, uh, that we, we, it's, it's stuff that's relegated to People magazine. Uh, we, we, don't, we, we might love the pageantry and the royalty of what we see and hear when we hear about kings and queens today. But when you look in God's word, you do see the pageantry or maybe better said the majesty of the king. 
and you do see the royalty of a king. But the kingdom that you see, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that you read about in Scripture is a, is a, has both majesty and also power. And it has royalty but also rule or reign. How do you enter into this kingdom? We're not born into this kingdom. We're not, we're not a part of the kingdom of heaven. We're not a part of the kingdom of God because our parents are. We're not a part of the kingdom because our great-granddad was a Baptist preacher. We, we are not a part of the kingdom because of our church attendance. We are not a part of the kingdom because we are born in a particular place, be that Jerusalem or be that America. We are part of the kingdom of God when we are born again. And when we are born two times, we're born of the flesh, we're born of water, and then we're born of the spirit. John chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So today, in this room, there are citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And there are others, maybe, in this room that have never entered into the kingdom of heaven. You say, why? It's a question of faith. It's a question of belief. It's a question of who it is that you are trusting for forgiveness of sin. Who it is that you're trusting to reconcile relationship with a heavenly father. And when we speak of the kingdom of heaven, it carries with it what so much of the Christian life carries with it. And it is this now, not yet effect. The kingdom of heaven is now, but also the kingdom of heaven is in the future. King Jesus rule in our hearts and rule in our soul when he redeems us and we're reconciled to the Father. He's the Lord of our life. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords in our heart and life. But Revelation tells us that there is coming a day of consummation. There is coming a day where Jesus Christ will rule in a new heaven and a new earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. There is coming a kingdom that is yet to be seen so you and I are left here in this time to do what to fight physical wars to usher in the kingdom of heaven absolutely not to do enough social justice work 
to change our communities and change our world into the kingdom of heaven? Absolutely not. Are there things good that we can do for mankind? Absolutely. Are there ways that we can pass laws or have conversations about government that helps our society honor the Lord? Absolutely. But what we're told in God's word about the kingdom of heaven is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they are not of the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to the taking captive of every thought that raises itself against the Lord. That's why in last winter, about this time, we were praying through spiritual armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, those pictures of the, the, the war that we are a part of. And it comes down to the end of that armor of God for the battle that we're in spiritually. And the Apostle Paul moves away from figurative language to just simply say, above all else, pray. And so when you and I are praying, we're, we're doing war for the kingdom. Now, tragically, those who have sought to remove prayer from different environments in some ways give testimony that they have a greater faith in prayer than those who have been called to pray. I mean, what is, if, if prayer doesn't work, what does the world have to worry about when we pray? And if prayer does work, if prayer does move God, if prayer does bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth as we're instructed to pray, then why don't we pray? Let me ask this question. When we pray, like Jesus says to pray, what are we praying for? Number one, quickly, we're praying for conversion. You may wonder sometimes, do we, are we to pray for people to be saved? Do we pray for people to come to know Christ? Where is that in the scripture? It's right here in Matthew 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're, if, the, if, the, if we enter the kingdom of heaven by being born again, by being converted, by, being, by no longer being children of darkness, but being children of God. Instead of being citizens of darkness, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Then what he's instructing for us to do here is to pray for more people to enter the kingdom. You see, when, when we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, what I'm doing is I'm praying for my kids to be saved. I'm praying for my grandkids to be saved. When you're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. You're praying for your family members to be saved. You're praying for your coworkers to be saved. You're praying for your teammates to be saved. You're praying for the people of Nepal to be saved. You're praying for the people of Boston to be saved. When we look at this card and we see 157,690 people die daily without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what is our response to that? 
Our immediate response is not just something that looks cute on a card. It is what God instructs us to do. And we see 157,690 people die daily without Christ. What we're instructed to do is pray that the kingdom of God would come to those hearts so that number goes down. We're praying for souls to be saved. We're praying for conversion. We're praying for salvation. The very, the very work of Acts 1.8 is a fulfillment of, of, of this prayer. It's, it's us being used in this prayer. Second, we're praying not only for conversion, we're praying for obedience. I wonder sometimes when this prayer is spoken in locker rooms or on fields or in places where people feel like we need something spiritual. I wonder if they recognize what we're actually praying for. When you say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying that how God operates in heaven and the way things are in heaven, that those things will now happen in the hearts and lives and society of where people are. In many ways, we're praying for a revolution against the rebellion of this world toward God. And we're saying, Lord, certainly in heaven, there is obedience. There is submission. Certainly, we would think you're on the throne and angels, your messengers, the saints that are there are in submission and in line, we think of heaven as being the place of no more. We think of it being no more sin, no more death, no more dying, no more tears. We, we, we think of that absolutely as being completion and perfection. And so when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it starts in my heart. And it's a prayer that I will die to myself and deny myself. And that the Spirit of God would rule and reign and that when I look at my heart, I would just see a, a glimpse of heaven. My actions would fall in line with what the King of Kings has commanded. Praying his kingdom come, his will be done is a prayer for right conduct. It is, it is a prayer for obedience to his commands. That's why we can't go into God's word and change it up to fit what our culture says. We go into God's word to find out what the king has said. And when the king speaks to materialism, when the king speaks to sexuality, when the king speaks to right and wrong, and when the king speaks to loving one another, or caring for one another, forgiving one another, when the king speaks, the king has shown this is what it's like in heaven. And for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven is for the spirit of God to move us as followers of Christ to look more and more and more like Christ. And I just say, it's amazing how much the Lord's prayer looks like the Lord's life. When you work through this prayer, what you see on these pages are not just the words of Jesus. You see who Jesus is. And that's really what we're praying is for Jesus to be Jesus in our heart and life. The last thing we're praying when we pray for his kingdom to come is for the return of Jesus Christ. 
ultimately, not just here in our hearts, but we're praying, Lord Jesus, come from heaven. Lord Jesus, come again. Well, why don't we pray like that? Well, we either don't know to, or we don't care to, or we're afraid that God might use us in his answer. Andrew Murray speak to us, speaks to us about the, the role of prayer and how we play in it. And I just want to close with these words. Andrew Murray says, God rules the world and his church through the prayers of his people. That God should have, that God should have made the extension of his kingdom to such a large extent dependent on the faithfulness of his people in prayer is a stupendous mystery and yet an absolute certainty. God, God calls for intercessors in his grace. He has made his work dependent on them. He waits for them. Imagine our Father in heaven, the King of kings, is waiting on your prayers. You bow with me. Maybe somebody in this room this morning would say, I want to be in the kingdom of heaven. I want to be rescued. I want to be redeemed. Pastor, as you said it, I want to be born again. I won't do anything to embarrass you in this room. I want to help you right where you are. Enter the kingdom of heaven. Anybody in this room, just lifted hand. No one else looking around. And, and it wouldn't matter if they were, but you, you just don't want, you're not ashamed. You just, Pastor, help me. I, I'm lifting my hand right now. I, I need to be born again this morning. I need to be saved. Lift your hand up high. Anyone in the room right now, don't walk away from this place needing salvation. Anyone? Amen. Amen. If you lifted your hand just a moment, it's, it's just from the cry of your heart, say to the Heavenly Father, Forgive me where I've sinned. I am a sinner. Save me. Rescue me. I want to follow you with my life, the rest of my life. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to encourage you, if you just pray that this morning, to be saved. That you, I, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Tell your dad, tell your mom, tell your brother, sister, your spouse, your friend. Tell me, tell somebody. Lord Jesus, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Teach us to pray. In your name we pray, amen.